Welcome to On Air, a podcast discussion at the intersection of artificial intelligence and international relations. From Tokyo, Japan, I'm Chris Lamont, and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the first episode of season four of the On Air podcast. This is really a milestone for us, and we'd like to thank those of you who have followed us during our past seasons and also extend a warm welcome to those who are joining us for the first time. Today, I would like to welcome to the show Taylor Woodcock. Taylor is a PhD researcher in public international law at the Asser Institute and the University of Amsterdam. Taylor's research examines the implications of the development and use of military applications of artificial intelligence for international legal obligations applicable in armed conflict under international humanitarian law and international human rights law. This is indeed an important topic. Welcome to On Air, Taylor. Thanks very much, Chris. Very happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. And first, I just would like you to tell us a little bit about how you got into working on the topic of lethal autonomous weapons. Um, after all, artificial intelligence today has applications in almost every facet of, of human life, from making choices about what music we might listen to, to making decisions as to whether or not we qualify for certain financial products from banks. So why weapons of war? Well, I think to start off with, you know, uh, before starting my PhD, I was interning and a colleague who I worked with, Dr. Marta Bo, who I believe you've also interviewed on the show, um, was working in this field of autonomous weapons. And I had the opportunity to work with her on these issues. And it really piqued my interest. I mean, when it comes to technologies more broadly, I think with respect to the law, there is a bit of a tendency to use the law reactively once these technologies are already being used. But when it comes to the military domain, a lot of these conversations are about technologies that are currently being developed that haven't been deployed yet. So I think we have a really valuable and potentially brief moment in which to have some really frank discussions about how the law can operate in this space. So I think seizing this moment is for me, what got me interested. Fascinating in a sense that the, the pace and scope of, of change when it comes to um, artificial intelligence in, term, in military applications is, is really remarkable. And I guess nowhere is that more visible in the context of this debate over meaningful human control over military applications. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what meaningful human control means to you? Meaningful human control, it's this concept that has emerged and crystallized within the context of debates on autonomous weapons. Um, and it's really been advanced and fleshed out by civil society, um, as well as the states and also the scholars that work on these issues. Um, and for me, it really captures this idea that military targeting and military operations really is an activity that should be conducted by humans, that humans should maintain this connection with decisions to take life and that their conduct remains purposive, intentional um, and aware and that we can continue to hold somebody responsible. So I think broadly speaking, for me, meaningful human control points to this intuition we have about maintaining the human element in warfare. Right, so it's it, it's it's a it's a kind of much more encompassing in a way definition than some that are more specific in terms of pointing to um, the the necessity of an operator to simply can understand right, or for the AI to have explainability. But it's more this this a a, a strong moral position, right? That that the decision to take human life must rest with a human. To an extent, 
And, you know, I do think there are certain limitations actually with regard to this concept of meaningful human control. And I think there is a real lack of consensus currently about how to actually operationalize this. So for me, its value is pointing to this intuition, but I do believe that more work needs to be done to continue to refine and operationalize this notion of human control in the context of military AI. One argument that that is brought up sometimes in in opposition to this, and I believe most recently in a in an article by Jovana Davidovich in in War on the Rocks, is is the the proposition that there might be AI enabled military systems that are more effective um, without a human in the loop, or that they might be safer without a a human in the loop. In terms of evaluating potential harm, does this pose any? This does this cause can one to rethink potentially the um, emphasis on maintaining the human centrality to to armed conflict when potentially these types of systems might offer alternatives that that could minimize human suffering in armed conflict. Yeah, I think it really depends on what you mean by effectiveness in this context. Of course, um, my background and my perspective on these issues is international law. So the first question for me is uh, to what extent can these technologies be used in compliance with international law? And I think to the extent that there is uh, an implicit human dimension to the law, it really doesn't actually make sense to talk about whether technologies can do it better because the fact is that these technologies operate in a substantively different way than humans make decisions, carry out activities. So I think this sort of idea that the technologies can do it better sort of misses the point about what is it that the technologies and the humans are doing. Right. So from, from your perspective, it's it's very different than if we're looking at a um, military AI system that, that targets kind of non-human objects, potentially, um, such as, as radar systems, as the one example that's often given, versus these types of systems that potentially are lethal autonomous weapon systems in terms of targeting humans. Yeah, and I, I think... It's brought up a lot in debates that certain parameters on the use of systems in terms of geography time, but also the types of targets, as you mentioned, these sorts of limitations can promote control. And I don't disagree with that, but I also think there are a lot of issues with you know, systems that are used to support targeting of humans um, and in that sense, these are the applications that we should be focusing on. And I don't believe that they're limited to autonomous weapon systems either. My, my own research deals with applications of military AI more broadly, and I do think there are a number of concerns around these other sorts of applications as well. That's absolutely fascinating. It's, it's also a very important point that um, there's that, that AI applications are kind of becoming almost ubiquitous right, within the, the defense sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about some examples of, of these AIs that you've encountered in your research? So I think there is a clear example with respect to uh, target recognition software that uses these sorts of uh, AI algorithms, and this is sort of more directly related to the targeting process. But I do think there are applications uh, also that are more indirectly related that are also um, 
worth looking into the use of AI to support decision making as a decision making aid, um, the use of AI to uh, for tasking in the military organization more broadly, um, as well as for the collection, prioritization, and analysis of data in the context of intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance operations. And, you know, it's not also only that these technologies should be considered as discrete applications. They're all used as integrated networks that interact with one another, but also with human beings. So focusing on these individual applications also kind of misses the broader picture to some extent. And, and that brings us to another question that you've encountered in some of in some of your work, and that's shifting the focus to this and not looking at just um, these standards in the context of of targeting and lethal autonomous weapons, but looking at kind of broader questions of system design and how they're made and, and standards that could be um, could, could be deployed at, at a much earlier stage of, of conflict or pre-conflict. Yes. So I do think that when it comes to military applications of AI, first, we need to shift a little bit, and this is already happening in debates, with a focus towards human-machine interaction uh, and focusing on how technologies can alter the competencies and capacities of human beings uh, in terms of taking over new tasks, but also in terms of the tasks that will remain with humans. And understanding that when it comes to the design of these technologies, we're not only designing military AI in terms of technical architectures, but we're also therefore constructing these human competencies and capacities through the ways that the humans interact with the system. So you're not just designing the tech, but also with how humans are interacting with it. And I think that's a really fascinating aspect of your research in a sense that um, when you look at these types of applications, um, they're often designed with an aim towards directing the operator to making a certain decision, right? So if um, if I kind of click kind of in kind of on one kind of part of my screen and it like it turns green, <laughs> right? I feel like I've made the right decision. And then if I click on another part, it turns red. I feel like I've made the wrong decision. And this it's it's difficult to question this interface. So in a sense that as you're developing more complex, more advanced AIs, you're also changing how the human makes decisions in a sense that you can do everything in the sense that is necessary to keep the, the human in the loop, but that interface is, is changing kind of the, how the human makes decisions and also is predetermining in many respects, a lot of these, these decisions. Yeah, I would agree with that. And for me, from my perspective, again, bringing in international law here, it becomes a question of how humans exercise their own agency. And for me, agency and responsibility are really key concepts that underpin the international legal framework in various ways. And so I think to the extent that these technologies can challenge the exercise of human agency may mean that there are also potential tensions with the use of these technology and the legal norms that must be respected during the conduct of hostilities in armed conflict.
Absolutely. And that's, that, that brings us down a, another avenue in a sense that, that accountability for a lot of these crimes is already something that's, in a way, at the international level, quite extraordinary and difficult to prove. And when you're looking at um, complex international criminal trials, establishing individual criminal responsibility for um, crimes against humanity or war crimes is, is something that is, that is incredibly challenging. And the extent to which these types of systems muddy that water in terms of, well, how much agency did a, a decision maker or a targeter have in the context of an armed conflict when a system is saying, make this decision? And also, what accountability do the designers of these systems have when the, the problem is, is the system itself? Yeah, a really good point here about um, the investigation and later down the track prosecution of international crimes that might come about as a result of reliance on military applications of AI. Okay, well, I can ask you what it means for the future of accountability. Like, what do you see kind of as these things become more present in military operations? One of the primary obligations we have in armed conflict is to not only respect the law, but also investigate potential allegations of violations of the law. And this investigation duty is really challenged, I think, when you use technologies that are not transparent, when you can't trace decision-making processes. And the question becomes, how do you conduct an effective investigation when you're relying on technologies that operate as a black box, where you don't understand how and why this particular algorithm generated a specific decision or outcome. And that is a significant challenge, I think, to investigating potential international crimes. Absolutely. And and we can throw into that that mix. If you think about the analogy of, for example, civil aviation, where um, a lot of flight operations are now automated. And when you had the the you know, tragedy surrounding the 737 Max and the MCAS system that, that pilots weren't even aware, right? That, that there was this system making these decisions and choices that were sending commands to, um, the aircraft do things that they didn't want the, the aircraft to do, eventually taking the lives of, of many people. And then seeing similar technologies being deployed in the context of, of armed conflict, um, raises a whole lot of questions in terms of accountability, in terms where you have perhaps specific direction to the AI to to do something that would be illegal in international under international humanitarian law versus um, problems just with humans not understanding, as you say, what this black box is doing and why it's making these decisions and why it's doing something so strange. And it seems that this is really going to um, present major issues for future criminal trials, as as you have just mentioned. This issue is compounded with respect to military applications of AI, and it's the reason why the idea of human supervision, why human in the loop, it's problematic in this context because these algorithms operate at a speed, scale, and complexity that far outweighs human cognition. And so it can't just be a matter of a human operator understanding the decision, but these, the way that the system is programmed and designed, this already needs to be understood at the pre-deployment stages uh, in order to have any sort of real control, I would say. 
And and as you mentioned, one of the the concerns is is that as as more and more states um, develop systems that that rely on AI enabled decision making or machine learning um, enabled decision making. This, this allows for military practices such as dr- drone swarms or kind of the targeting of a number of, of targets um, essentially at the same time that require a very high pace of decision making that is that is beyond the, the capacity of, of humans, which, which seems to suggest that we could be entering into a AI arms race where states are focusing on developing capabilities that would allow for these systems to to respond quickly in a way um, that would not allow for any any meaningful um, human control. And we're still debating, in a sense, what what this means in international forums. Can you give us a little bit of an update on on where we are in terms of securing some sort of consensus (laughs) about what we mean? There's There's a lot of different um, adjectives that are used to describe control um, out there by different states, and a lot of resistance to um, prohibiting the types of weapon systems that we're talking about. So, I think when it comes to debates on military AI, and you know, particularly on autonomous weapon systems, discussions are continuing in the context of the group of governmental experts on lethal autonomous weapons um, that take place in Geneva under the auspices of the Convention on Certain Conventional Weapons. And I do think that these debates, over the last couple of years, there has been a slowdown in the progress in this context of these debates. I do think that they are aiming towards a regulation of fully autonomous weapon systems and there is a tendency in this context to link human control with critical targeting functions. So I think irrespective of the progress, whether or not a a new instrument comes out, there are still a lot of legal and ethical issues remaining about other applications of AI that are not covered within the context of those debates. And while I think you know, in scholarship and also among civil society, now there are steps towards addressing military applications of AI more broadly. I do think there needs to be much greater emphasis on this. Absolutely. So in a way that that narrow focus of debates around lethal targeting has obscured us to all these other developments in terms of military applications for, for AI that, as you mentioned, do a whole lot of other things that that go beyond lethal targeting. And we could also argue in the context of, for example, surveillance and facial recognition technologies and algorithmic biases that are that are present in many different sectors of society that go far beyond the, the military realm and could look at, for example, policing or or banking or access to, to welfare and and the such. That, that these are all, as you mentioned earlier, potentially interlinked, right? I know you were talking specifically interlinked within the military <laughs> realm, but, but here more broadly, that, that, they, that these, are, these are features of this type of decision-making that, that we need to grapple with kind of in a, in a perhaps broader context. For sure. And you do see that there is a tendency for technologies used by the military to filter through uh, into other areas like law enforcement. And I think even though there might be different legal frameworks that are the sort of primary frameworks that we rely on in those contexts, 
I do think a lot of these issues relating to the impact on human agency and responsibility when these technologies are used, they're also very relevant in those other contexts as well. And and also perhaps we've um, we've interviewed some guests in the past who have also pushed back a little bit about you know the, on this question of just how transformative AI is going to be in in warfare in a sense that um, is it really going to be as effective um, as a tool and is it kind of more vulnerable perhaps to to um, asymmetric attacks in terms of um, being able to to disable these these types of systems in a way that would be much more harmful if there if there wasn't a a human in the loop so that might be in a sense right that this this question of um, fully automating these types of systems is not something that is is really um, desirable on the part of 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 states that are that are developing these technologies but at the same time there are very real and observable um, societal consequences to this type of algorithm decision making that we're seeing um, spread into other aspects of society and I think in a sense that you've kind of answered that, well, kind of skirted a little bit the question about kind of breaking that logjam, though, in terms of we've we've seen a little bit of progress, but at the same time, there isn't a whole lot of, I mean, there's still significant disagreements um, among states when it comes to just how these standards are going to be applied. And we're seeing, um, we're, we're certainly likely to see these debates continue, but also you brought up um, a something related to this, but there's also very different perspectives on ethical frameworks for, for AI between kind of the European Union, um, AI Act, and, and also um, other visions of or other proposals for AI ethics that we've seen come out of countries such as, as China. So it's definitely going to be something that we will be talking about for quite some time. I'd say that I've got one last question, and that's um, looking into the future. Um, what do you see as the um, area realm within military AI that is probably going to or necessitates the most attention, I guess, if I can put it that way? From my perspective, I do think that the use of AI in particular, uh, machine learning algorithms for decision support in military operations is an area that really deserves quite urgent attention. These technologies can be relied upon by humans and really change the way that humans conduct themselves, make decisions, understand their world. And I think the emphasis on autonomous weapons, on critical targeting functions, tends to obfuscate that a little bit. But I do think this is an area where we might see these sort of systems being deployed very soon. I mean... AI algorithms are pervasive in our life. They choose our movies, they choose our playlists, the songs that we listen to. And, you know, I think I can imagine quite soon that these sorts of technologies could also be helping to choose targets on the battlefield. So I think this is an area that I think uh, that we should really take up in conversation. And when thinking about decision support, more worryingly, perhaps what wars we fight as as well um, could be um, something that um, we could consider within this context. Because again, it's it's very difficult to to question, right? If you don't really understand, or as you mentioned as well, these um, deep neural networks are are complex to the level to the extent to where we can't really unpack how they arrived at a particular decision. 
Well, Taylor, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks very much for having me, Chris. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And thank you once again for this great conversation. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Of course, if you like the show, we invite you to subscribe and leave us a comment. Um, you can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at onair underscore podcast. And don't forget to join us for the next episode for a discussion at the intersection of AI and IR theory, law, and practice. Until then, stay human. Thank you.